Are you ready for this? I'm ready. <laughs> got your earbuds? Yeah, I got them in, so should be good to go. So I gotta ask you, because the podcast is called Behind the Wheel, are you always behind the wheel? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. So living in Baltimore, in the inner city, I was present when the Freddie Gray riots occurred. Baltimore was actually the first city in America to come up with a essentially legal way to ban African Americans' property ownership within white residential areas. Nation is a two-sided marketplace where we introduce artisanal and emerging uh, brands, mainly snack brands, to consumers at key moments where they're most engaged. Hi, I'm Derek, and this is Behind the Wheel, a show dedicated to highlighting the accomplishments of ordinary people who are doing extraordinary things within the community. Check us out on Spotify, iTunes, or wherever you find your podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley. And today we've got a special guest, Mr. Stephen Jackson. With a Ph, a PhD. I don't know if he's got a PhD or not. That's just how he spells his name. He is the CEO of Weibo. Try saying that three times fast. CEO of Weibo, CEO of Weibo. I didn't mean to literally say it. But before we get to that, I got to ask you a question. Have you ever been friends with someone for five years and never actually met them in person? Hmm? Well, such is the case with Tara Woodard. Tara recently sent me a message on July the 1st. I was like, hey, hey, Derek, good afternoon. I sent you a $10 Venmo for a cup of coffee, tea, or ice cream. You continue to educate and speak up, sharing your posts with my mother. Thank you. I was blown away. It's the middle of the afternoon. That was good news. I first came in contact with her virtually via messenger. She sent me a congratulatory message. I practiced that word. I said it correctly on the first try. Try it again. Congratulatory message. Woohoo! All right. For getting into Vancouver, running Vancouver Marathon, actually through a sponsorship. Uh, Sacconi, Sacconi, however you want to pronounce it. They had a contest. They were running a contest on Instagram, and and I won. And they they sent my daughter and I out to Vancouver to run a marathon. I did the marathon, and Chloe did the 5K. It was a good day. They sent us some gear and kicks. You know, it was a nice treat. But she had a request. Tara did. Could you do me a huge favor? My uncle Eli Benson is an incredible man and marathon. He's sick in the hospital with ARDS pneumonia, and he's on a ventilator. It's because of him that she started running long distance. And she wanted to know if I would, wouldn't mind running a few miles for her uncle and give him a shout-out. I was like, sure, I'm running anyhow. And uh, so I did, and we stayed in contact throughout the years. Tara used to harass me about starting a podcast. You should start a podcast. You should start a podcast. I was like, yeah. I finally started the podcast. And when I did, Tara was one of the first people I called. Hey, Tara, listen, I got a microphone. Starting a podcast. Sent her the link to the second person I interviewed, Tina Brooks, from out of Houston, Texas. Shout out to Tina. Tina Brooks was a cancer survivor. And so it got me to thinking about who else might want to purchase me a cup of coffee, you know, started taking this thing seriously. And it's funny how the universe works. 
as soon as I put that out there, then I got a message from, you know, during wrapping up an interview with Latoya Shantae Snell. She said, hey, you know, there's an app out there called Coffee. Coffee? Really? I like coffee. I recently had a guest on the show who was named Coffee. I drink coffee. Hmm, coffee's a good thing. And it's an app where it allows your listeners to buy you a cup of coffee. You know? And it allows people to sponsor an episode. They can do a pre-roll, mid-roll, or a post-roll. Who knew? Well, that's, that's the... Uh, they can commission you to do different things, so it's an app for artists. So if you're an artist and you want to, uh, you know, you're providing a valuable service to your followers, this might be something you want to consider getting into. And so, yeah, you can follow me on coffee, ko com forward slash BTW podcast. Let me say that one more time. You know, I'll just put it in the show links. Click the link. Without any further ado, Mr. Stephen Jackson. Sounds like a basketball player. I think he played ball. Pretty sure Damon, uh, Damon used to beat him. All right. Okay, so it's recording. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Behind the Wheel. I'm your host, Derek Oxley, and I'm here today with a gentleman. We've been knowing each other online. He's been in a couple of our videos, uh, Father's Day special. He is a an old sage. I, don't, I shouldn't say old, but you know, just wisdom is what I say. <laughs> I can, edit, I can edit thank that you, part thank out. You, thank you for putting that up. <laughs> I can edit that part out. You won't hear this, folks. He's a, he's a gentleman, uh, a wealth of information, uh, always insightful. And um, give it up for none other than Mr. Stephen Jackson. Thank you, Derek. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. I remember when you and I first started these podcasts you had reached out to me with about the idea and i was like yeah man go ahead and do it it made a lot of sense, a lot like, of sense. What, two years ago now yes yeah. it's, it's been some time man and mm-hmm. I, I certainly appreciate it i've always found you to be um you know supportive uh of the run community at whole and and, and some of the efforts and things that i've been trying to accomplish and so i wanted to get you on the show when, when i thought about um some of the recent events in that's, that's been taking place within the running community and uh-huh. You know, you, you want to have like a good sounding board, people to kind of bounce um, ideas off of. And yeah. I think the, the message was uh, just just coming from a place and you know, it's just like out of frustration because you can look through covers of magazines and, and you already know what it is. So I don't necessarily uh-huh. need to study. But you, you kind of put me on the, on, on the spot. It was like a challenge. Well, well what, uh, rather than... I mean, if that's how you really feel, what do you want to do about it? And it yeah. caused me to kind of step back and say, yeah, so, Derek, what do you want to do about it? Well, uh, I'm going to have Steven Jackson on the show, and um, <laughs> we'll talk. You know, Now, I don't, I don't just want to just talk. So it, it caused me to, say, to reflect on what, what do you want to do about it? And in some instances, I think amplifying voices, et cetera, is important. Uh, but before we get too, too uh, in-depth there, why don't you just let the folks who may not be familiar with you, Steve, um, tell them about yourself, how you got involved in the running community, and 
that and where we are now? Well, I, uh, it was around 2011. I was actually speaking at a Boys and Girls Club. Mm-hmm. And a photographer took some photos. And he posted the photos on Facebook. And I was wearing a purple sweater during the presentation. And I looked at the profile picture that he shot of me. Mm-hmm. And I was immediately enraged. But first, I resembled Barney or Alfred Hitchcock. You had a oh, because of the purple, <laughs> purple sweater, and I was furious. I mean, I was going through that that line from the Untouchables where, uh, uh, you know, like I wanted him dead. I wanted his family dead. I wanted his house burned to the ground. <laughs> but then, you know, I took personal responsibility. And anger was really more toward myself with that. You know, I've already had high blood pressure. I already had you know, uh, high cholesterol, and then I was being, and then I was developing type 2 diabetes. I'm like, okay, how long am I going to let this go along? And I know better because I have no living, all my uncles on my mother's side died in their 50s of heart attacks. Mm. And my mother is my mother, her three sisters, and all they had, and they all had heart attacks as well. So it's kind of like, I knew the future, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I kept driving down that, toward that cliff anyway. Okay. It's like, okay, what am I going to do differently to get off this damn cliff? So that's when I made a decision to, you know, change my lifestyle. The interesting thing about changing a lifestyle, it works when you, uh, you choose to do something that you've never done before. So I've always had the wish, the bucket list of wanting to run a marathon. And I've been sur- I'm surrounded by friends who have run marathons. I mean, my closest, oldest friend, Andrew Morrison, one of my best buddies, he's ran a couple of marathons. Uh, one of my oldest, dearest friends is a triathlete. Actually, he's a good friend with Bernard Lyle. They actually ran a triathlete organization back in the early '90s and stuff. Wow! You know, so I've been I, so I'm around. I've been around these people. You know, mm-hmm. so I like as I was starting to get, in, you know, really starting to work and getting in better shape. I decided I wanted to run a marathon. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna commit to running, which is something I didn't like to do. I like to bike. I like to bike. Now I will get on my bicycle and ride fair weather. Once you get below 40 degrees, my bike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fair weather bike rider. So okay. when I, I'm not picking up my bike. I, and I, I would tell people, I said, this is the difference between inspiration and motivation. I'm inspired to ride my bike. I could come home, be dead tired, hop on my bike and ride. Mm-hmm. I don't need no one to motivate me. Now, you tell me to run, you need to motivate me to run. And I got 100 excuses not to run. And that's how <laughs> I was actually thinking. So like anything else in life, if you change the way you think, you change the outcome. So uh, I said I'm going to run this marathon. I, I entered the lottery, the 2012 New York City Marathon Lottery, mm-hmm. and guess what? I get picked on the first shot. I mean, wow. I've been, I've been, I'm, so that's how the unit, and now, now you get to see how the universe works. Because now the universe said, oh, you want to run a marathon? We got you. I got you. <laughs> we got you. <laughs> and I remember sitting with my best friend, we in my living room, and they was attempting to stream the marathon uh, picks over the internet. It really wasn't working too much. So we attempted to watch that. And then I had to look at my bank, my, my, my credit card, and I saw that two and change gone. I'm like, oh, crap, I'm in. So it went like this. Oh, yeah, I'm in. Oh, shit, I'm in. Now I got to train. <laughs> Were you training? Yeah. Okay. Were you training and running up until that point? Yeah, I really wasn't training at that point. You know, I did a few things. I was working out. Okay. I was working out. I was doing yoga. I was working out that way, but I wasn't really running. So mm-hmm. the day after, I think it was like April 25th, when they did a they did the whole marathon pick. So the next day I get out there, I put in like three and a half miles, and that's when I started. Then I really started running it. Uh, I had a, I got a coach. So the first thing I did do, I got someone to coach me because, uh, you know, I, I am a I'm a scientist. That's the way I think. 
So the first thing I'm doing is I'm I'm, under, I'm looking at the science of running. I'm looking to see how much effort do I don't have to put in because I'm also lazy. So <laughs> I want to put at least amount of effort to get the most the, the uh, most return. Got you. <laughs> and, I, and I realized that there, there's no way around it. I really got to put it to work. So mm-hmm. uh, the best thing I did, I got a coach and you know started working on my running form and. Uh, eventually started understanding nutrition and stuff like that. And uh, 2012 marathon was canceled because of uh, uh, Hurricane uh, Sandy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the good news was I was ready for 2013, much much stronger, much prepared, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, that's what I, that's the way it began. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And then from there, you um you formed uh, Run to Live. Yeah, uh, and then you started. You 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 went and got your, your your coaching certification. Yes, that was actually an interesting class because uh, Edward Walton was in that class uh, from BMI was in that class. D Rose and FL from Black Girls Run was in that class. Uh, Alan Gartner, uh, who became one of my board members and actually is a good friend of mine, was in that class. He was he was a New York Flyer at that time, past president of the New York Flyers. That was a really interesting coaching certification class for. It's mm-hmm. kind of like, you know, we all, it was a good nucleus of people who basically start, we formed a little foundation of knowing one another, you know, and, and continuing on, you know, afterwards. So that was a good class. Mm-hmm. And yeah. What was, what happened around 2012, 2013 that, that, that was sort of like the impetus for folks to, uh, for black people to start running and, and, and getting out there in, in, in numbers? <clears throat> well, here's the first thing I would say, I would say black girls running did an excellent job of, raising awareness of blacks and running so you know when i first started lined up at races you would see a tremendous amount of black women lined up at the races but the only black men that you saw were in the front because they were the elites and then mm-hmm. you saw some you saw you also saw a bunch of guys standing on the side waving at their girlfriends like hey have a good race all right i'll be here when you get back holding the yeah. bag yeah there you go <laughs> and uh it was interesting because like I said, this is a perception. I have no fact. I didn't have any real facts to prove any of this. It was really my perception of what I was observing. Mm-hmm. And in 2013, after running the Brooklyn half, I was on a train with Mark Anthony Jenkins. I knew, I know Mark. Mark was a Weibo graduate like I was. I was actually his, uh, his work group leader at one time when he was taking the workshop. So I, I knew him and, you know, we had lost contact. But when, we, when I started running, that's when I ran into him again and we started having conversations. And we was having, we were sitting on, we was on the F train coming back from the Brooklyn half, and we was having a conversation about blacks and running. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing about 2013 was that this conversation was in the universe, because Men Run These Streets started on April 6th of 2013, which is my birthday. Mm-hmm. I always, I always got mad respect for them, so they started their group on April 6th. Black Men Run started at the uh, had their in, um, organizational papers at the end of July. And mm-hmm. I started Run to Live on July 17th. So around that time, obviously there was something in the universe yeah. that was encouraging us to begin these, these running organizations. I can't, you know, and that's how the universe kind of works. It's either ideas are never really like new, new, new. Yeah. You know, it's that it travels through the universe. You put something out there and someone will grab onto it and take it and run with it. And someone else will say, yeah, that sounds good, but whatever the case may be. So, you know, Matthew Lyles out there in Chicago, he was, the, the bug was in his head, you know, and, and knowing that Bernard was a triathlete and everything, so he, he comes from a running background, actually, mm-hmm. and he thought that this would be a great organization to get more black men involved in running, and um, 
uh, Mark and I was having the same conversation in New York on the F train going home yeah. uh, from a race. And obviously, uh, Walton and Jason was having this conversation in Atlanta. Yeah. You know, so we all had this conversation. We all had these conversations around the same time about the need for more blacks in running. Mm-hmm. And, and I say that's how the universe began. Now, uh, now, like I said, there was already, before then, there was always MBMA, but mm-hmm. we didn't really know about them. I didn't know about yeah. them until I started doing research. And uh, I was actually on the, uh, the first time I found out about them, I got on the phone with Tony. I emailed him. He, we got on the phone. We had like a two-hour conversation. And he was telling me a lot of things. He told me about a few studies. And, yeah, he's got a wealth of information in, in, oh, inside yeah, of that yeah. dome. <laughs> uh, he did. He, he, he really did. And we became friends after that because, you know, everything he, he you know, gave me was valuable and helped me form a solid foundation and starting Run to Live. You know? Yeah. So it, 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 what I watched, um, because a, a, a friend, high school buddy of mine, <clears throat> Once I started running, after mm-hmm. two years of just kind of looking at emails from my sister and saying, oh, okay, yeah, maybe I'll, I'll check out this running thing. Uh, but a buddy of mine, he introduced me to, to uh, Black Men Run. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it was like, oh, there are other people who run. So it became sort of interesting to see, okay, you have National Black Marathons Association. And then, you know, then, you, know you see Chicago, as you mentioned, yeah. uh, then Atlanta, you know, BMR. But then I start seeing like these different run crews kind of, and it just yeah. started, and it really started like popular. Like, no, this, a lot of this stuff is not new. It's just, I didn't know, you know, and then you have people over in, out of nowhere, this cat emerged. I was like, yo, is this, is this a, uh, <laughs> this, this is, this is mayhem. And, and mayhem has, uh, he didn't snuggle with me this morning. So he's making up for it. Usually when I get up, I have a, we have a routine. I get up first thing in the morning. I meditate. He normally comes and sit in my chest when I meditate. Uh-huh. Uh, but he didn't get the chance to do that this morning. He was, he had his little attitude going, but he, he's cool. <laughs> Yo, I, so I, I know I was like, I'm supposed to be professional and I'm sitting and I'm watching for those who have been listening to the video. So you imagine at the bottom of the screen, you see this thing rising. I'm like, is he doing, what's happening here? And I just can't ignore like, you know, what's going on? Like, I see this thing moving up. I'm like, what is that? It was like, oh, it's a cat. Mayhem. Yeah. So back to the episode. So these things just started populating it. And you see yeah. these different run crews. And I guess it's taken on personalities of the founders. Um, mm-hmm. Able to have a gentleman on in London. And so you, it's just not in the States. It's all over the country, all over the world. And uh, so it was interesting to kind of see it, it, it con- continue to evolve. And so you 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 got into um, to running and then 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 got your running certification, started Run to Live, um, and then you pivoted because I remember getting the uh, 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 remember getting a, a message from you it's like you know no I'm I've retired from I had to retire Run to Live um, yeah I was like dang. Then pivoted to Weibo. I won't say I pivoted to Weibo. Uh, I've always, I've been a, I have been a part of Weibo. Like I'm a graduate. I graduated the Weibo program in 1992 before starting my first company. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found when I, I in, in 19 late 1991 I made the decision to start my own business after watching two white guys blow a quarter of a million dollars starting a company. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided I could do. I had a better marketing plan than they had. And I decided I was going to start my own business. 
And I took the Rebo course. I graduated. I became a volunteer with Rebo. I was a volunteer for many years. Then I took some time off. And around 2010, when my oldest daughter decided she wanted to start a boutique um, store, I told her to go take Rebo. And I got back to volunteering again. Now we, so, we we've been saying we've been saying Weibo. Let the, let the for those workshop, who uh, yeah, you're right. It is the workshop and business opportunity. So we it's W I B O, which is the acronym, and we call it. It's been called Weibo, you know, affectionately for the 55 years mm-hmm. that has been in existence. So the workshop and business opportunities uh, is where, and it was. And it's not a pivot because as I said I've always been a part of the organization as a volunteer. Mm-hmm. And as a volunteer, I usually would lead some of the, the discussions on topics like marketing, sales, promotion. Those are things that are my strengths in businesses and business period. And uh, around 2017, I actually finally joined the board. So I was invited to join the board a couple of times. And I kind of turned it down. The first time I was invited to join the board, I had just started Run to Live. So I really mm-hmm. wasn't interested. You know, I like, look, I'm trying to get to learn how to work with a board, you know, the nonprofit now, much less, you know, join the board. I turned it down. I turned it down twice, and the third time I actually had joined the board, and um, I came off the board in 2018 and took over as CEO of Rebo in May of 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it wasn't really a pivot. It was it was more the universe telling me, you know, where I need to be. You know, I had I had this thing that I thought run to live and run the healthy lifestyle university and helping people, you know, gain and maintain a healthy lifestyle. I, that was supposed to be in my head. My mm-hmm. final mission. I, I didn't want. I didn't see myself doing anything else besides focusing on those on those two things. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the universe was like, really, <laughs> you know, uh, because you know, I tell people I had no intention that I would be CEO of Weibo of the workshop. Uh, if someone, if a, if a fortune teller told me in January 2018 that in a few months you was going to be running this organization, I would told the person it was crazy. I want my money back, and you need to be putting a home a psych ward somewhere. Mm. That's not really, but like I said, we never know how the universe works. And through so many, you know, events and, and a conversation that came out the blue, uh, I found myself considering uh, that maybe I should be the one running this organization. And when I, as I spoke to those who know me through the organization and mm-hmm. still been volunteers, and uh, they was all excited that I would take this position. And they thought that someone, they thought that I had the, the, you know, because I came up through Weibo, I've been a volunteer for Weibo for many years. I know the organization inside out. I knew the founder of Weibo, uh, Walter Guy, who ran the organization for 32 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I graduated, the Weibo office was about a, not even full, about a mile from my house. I used to stop up there and we have long conversations. I knew a lot of his dreams and plans. I knew the family, you know, uh, the organization, his son, Ted Guy, who's still, involved in the organization was definitely like steve please you know you be the person uh you, you should run it so the universe was basically setting me up run to live was a uh, an important step to get me to understand nonprofit. Mm-hmm. you know and i don't um, know why i still have this i still have the word pivot in my head I and, that, and, yeah. and all because it was just in my head i'm like is it a bad word it's not a bad word. No, it's not a bad word. It wasn't a bad word. It wasn't a bad word. You know, we consider pivot, you know, I consider pivot was in 2008 where I changed the whole model of my company from one industry to another and mm-hmm. changed the name. That's pretty much when we say pivot. Uh, I think that uh, me taking over and running the workshop, 
was more of the next generation of where I was, where I'm supposed to be at uh, in, in the universe. I think, like I said, everything we kind of do in life prepares us for the next step. Mm-hmm. When you think about, it, you look at your life experiences, you look at things that you accomplished, you look at where you are now, then you realize. I went through these things because it prepared me to be prepared for this. This portion of the Behind the Wheel Morning Show is brought to you by our friends at Comfort Zone. Comfort Zone are the makers of luxury handcrafted bars that look good enough to eat. I mean, bathing with each bar is like taking a bath with a slice of heaven. Some of the staple ingredients included are olive, coconut, castor, and palm oils, shea, and cocoa butter. Some bars even have goats and buttermilk included. You can get Dead Sea Mud and Red Clay. I mean, since I've started using Comfort Zone, I haven't used any off-the-shelf product nine years since they've been in business. I, I've even started exfoliating. That's right, exfoliating with their sugar scrub. Now, how sweet is that? I mean, I would try the bath bombs. I understand they are the bomb diggity, but I don't have a tub. They even have beard oils. When I decided to grow out my beard and keep my skin moisturized underneath, I started using their beard oil. So head on over to comfortzone.net for 15% off of your order when you enter the code BTW2019. That's comfortzone.net and enter the code BTW2019 for 15% off your order. So um, Running Run to Live prepared me for understanding more about nonprofits, how nonprofits work, understand how a board works and stuff like that, which really prepared me to take over the workshop, workshop business opportunities. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was interesting because it was one of those few times that I walked into uncertain territory, not afraid. Mm-hmm. Make no and mistake. What, you and know, what would you uh, attribute that to? Preparation. Mm-hmm. I obviously believe, I, I, when, I list, when I really looked at everything and the skills that I was bringing to the organization and everything I've done prior to that, I really realized that, yes, I have what is needed to run this organization, to turn it around and to help it grow and fulfill its mission. You know, I mean, I've been helping business owners ever since I became a business owner. You know, ever since I graduated Weibo, like I said, I, I got back into volunteering with the organization. I have friends who have sat in my living room mm-hmm. and we talked about their business ideas and helped them execute their business plans and stuff like that. I mean, just sitting in my living room having conversations with you know, me giving them whatever good advice I can give them. I have, I have a good, I have three people who I consistently talk about. One is a gentleman by the name of Todd Jones. He's a donutologist. He has a company called Cousin Dozen. He's been in business for about 27 years. Wait a second, you said I, a, a donutologist? He, that's what he is. That's okay, his brand. Okay. He is a donutologist. <laughs> his company is Cousin Dozen. And he does, he has these donuts for grown-ups, which is liquor-infused donuts. Liquor infused. Wait, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I'm listening. I'm typing. I'm, I just don't want you to think. Go ahead. Liquor yeah. infused donuts. I'm listening. Yes, they are Hennessy donuts, uh, Ciroc. So it, the, the company's name is Cousins Dozens. Mm-hmm. I've known Todd for about 20 plus years. Uh, I don't even, we, I don't, we don't even count the number of years anymore, but he's been in business for a minimum of 27 years. He's a Weibo graduate like myself. Um, and we used to sit in our living room. We used to talk about how, you know, he wanted to first put his donut, his, his mini donuts in Walmart and stuff like that. But he found different ways to market and create. And even he learned through this last political pandemic how to keep his business growing. 
Uh, another friend of mine is a young lady by the name of Jennifer Singleton, who owned, who started a temp firm called Jennifer Temp. She'd been in business for about 28 years as well. She was one of the first uh, persons who was in my workshop that I first volunteered to lead after I graduated Weibo. And she is still in business. I have another young lady, Yvette Hayward, who runs the African American Literary Awards Show. Mm -hmm. Yvette has been running that organization, I think it's like 15 years now. Mm -hmm. But she sat in my living room and we talked about the whole development of that award show. You know, so it's kind of like I've been doing this for 20 plus years, not just growing my businesses, but helping other people grow their businesses as well. You know, the one good thing that I love about our community is that we're all willing to help one another. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that shows. So if we can, you know, put some dollars in somebody's business or give someone some advice or help them get to the next level, just listen to them, you know, when they want to, you know, to, to just let it out. Uh, that's helpful. Yeah. You know? I think I see, oh, I, I saw, um, sorry, Zaire went through your program. So when you initially talked about launching mm -hmm. Weibo, um, Zaire is a fellow, a fellow runner. Her son plays basketball. <clears throat> yes. Uh, so I was like, oh, she went through the class. I'm like, so what, what, so it's like this mysterious thing that, that, that business she's going to launch next thing you know, she's going to be on, on the cover of some magazine. I'm like, there's so many resources within the running community. Um, mm -hmm. So when I hear and I see folks doing things that that whether it's entrepreneurship or they have a you know a, a venture that they're starting off and things are, are popping up now during the uh, the lockdown because now you're not trapped inside of your house but you for all intents purposes you you know it's, you've been advised to stay at home and now you're thinking about like, what do I do while I'm here so you know people have started mm -hmm. whether it's a cookie business some folks have started making masks and. You know, you, yeah. you have this this added time on your hands. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's I, I find it fascinating. So when, when I see it, I'm like, wow. So Steve is here, and so how would you know what is how does it work? How does somebody get in contact with you? How do they reach out to Weibo if they wanted to join the class? Um, you know, how we, much? Uh, is it? I, I, so this is how the program works. Um, our website is wibo.works, mm -hmm. it's weibo.works, or you can even type in weibo.org as well, either one of them. We branded weibo.works because we do say Weibo works. Um, you know, you have to pay a $25 non-refundable uh, interview fee. Everyone who comes into the program has to be interviewed. We want to make certain that you are passionate about what you want, about the business that you want, that you have some knowledge about the business that you want to, you know, execute. You know, and that you're willing to commit to either 10 or 16 weeks. We have a 10-week program that's in, in effect right now. And then in the fall, we start our 16-week program again. So those are the three main things that we're looking for. We don't explore business ideas. You have to already have a business idea concept in order to be to get accepted into our program. Because we're spending those 48 hours. We spend three hours once a week. Uh, the first 90 minutes is reviewing your homework. And then the second 90 minutes is interviewing, introducing a new topic to prepare you to do the homework for that week. So this is a workshop. You get homework every week. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, it's going to require you to do some research to, to get to know more about your business. And as you talk about your answers, you're going to get some other feedback from people who will see your business through their eyes. So we do, well, this is peer-to-peer. -peer. We don't teach. So, you know, interesting thing is that I've built three, I've built and sold three multi-million dollar companies. 
mm-hmm. but I cannot teach anyone to build a business because the way I built my companies may not be applicable to somebody else. However, we can have a conversation. You and I can have a conversation about a magazine and you can mm-hmm. come up with some ideas and figure out some best practices for you to launch a magazine. But I cannot teach you and say, Derek, this is step one, you need to do this, this is step two, you should do this, this is step three, you should do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that traditional way of teaching really doesn't really work in this type of environment. So we have a conversation, there's 10 to 15 people uh, right now online in a virtual Zoom room mm-hmm. uh, who are having a conversation every week about their ideas, their concepts, and how they think they're going to launch their business. And they get to hear from other people who see their business through different eyes. So we have to understand with 7 billion people on the planet, there's 7 billion ways of doing things. There's no one right way to do everything. Yeah. And it's through that way that people begin to understand to build a strong business. Now, we don't focus on a business plan. We focus on you launching your business. So every week, you, when you're completing the task that we give you, that you set for yourself, those tasks are designed to help you get a step closer to actually launching or improving existing business. So we do have people who have already started their business who also come to us mm-hmm. and take the workshop to figure out, you know, what could they be doing better? Yeah. And that's the process. Okay. My, my sister... Um took a, it was women, I forget the, the acronym, but it's women in business. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they, they just, they just do obviously just women. It's, it's in Stanford here in, in Connecticut. Um, right. So I, I think it's basically the same, same, you know, similar concept where it's, 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 it's a workshop, it's office setting, you know, and you mm-hmm. come in every week and they would give assignments. And then afterwards there's a graduation at the end of the, uh, at the end of the course. So it's, right. What do you what do you think of these um like these online classes where <clears throat> these these workshops where people tell you you know sign up for my my master class you know because I see a ton of them pop up and maybe because it's just a word it's just Google playing because if I type in podcast or whatever then all of a sudden now as I go through my Facebook feed you know you see these sponsored ads. And everybody yeah. is telling you to take a um, a podcasting class or mm-hmm. how to do X, Y, and Z. And like, okay, uh, how to make a million dollars on your podcast? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So here's my thing: I never knock a person's hustle. I just tell people do your research. Mm-hmm. So the, the workshop we've been restarted in 1965 which was started in the first wave of civil unrest. The founder Walter Guy and his wife watching. Blacks get, a, you know, beaten and dogs sick them and fire hoses turned on and watch that violence on the TV screen. And Walter's solution was to create this workbook to help Black people create businesses to improve their economic conditions. The entrepreneurship is interesting. What he knew in 1965 is now being proven today. You know, he knew that in 1965, the best way to improve any of any community is through economics, is through entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. especially. You see, we as small business owners, we hire from our communities. Why people look like us, we give, we give more people jobs, we're paying more additional taxes. We have a certain amount of political, we even create a certain amount of political power. So when you want to improve a community, you do it through entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. And the world actually knows this because we're seeing this not just here in the States, we're seeing this all over the world. However, in this country, this country right here rates number 44 in the world and creating entrepreneurs. Mm. Why do you yeah. think that is? You think that's by accident? 
No, it's not by accident. It's because of uh, first of all, it's the laws. You know, we have some we have some laws that need to be changed. We have some laws that is making it you know very prohibited and very difficult to start a small business. Small businesses have to have to submit more paperwork than Fortune 500 companies. You know, uh, their tax high. All these other uh, uh, legal nonsense. So, and is actually is being addressed. So there's the Kaufman organization out in, in Kansas City, which is very strong in entrepreneurship. They started. They have a thing called Startups Up, um, and they're looking to relax. Get, you know, get rid of some of these archaic laws on the books and really help entrepreneurship really flourish in this country. So and then so we have some other things. First of all, there's this. There's some myths that we perpetuate. You know, stories that we have taken as truths. You know how much money it takes to start a business. So the first thing people say they need a lot of money to start a business. Here's a fact: 77% of all businesses that have earned over a million dollars were started with less than ten thousand dollars. Okay, so it's really not about money because if it was about money. Then the two guys who had that quarter of a million dollars would have been successful. They wouldn't have blown it in six months with no client. I mean, they had an office space, they had brochures, marketing material, or reception, they had everything but a client. They got no business. I, I took this same concept and started in my dining room uh, with less than three grand and grew that business to four and a half million dollars in sales before selling it. See, the difference was I educated myself. I developed a strong marketing plan. I went out there and I worked and it worked and it worked until it turned successful. Yeah, I guess it See, comes, comes, comes down to the execution, huh? That's right. It was <laughs> execution, yes. <laughs> So that is part of what we have to deal with, you know, in, in mm -hmm. this country. Is So when I ask people to look at programs, I say, make sure you do your homework. So we've been around for 55 years, over 18,000 graduates. The Rockefeller Center did a study on us and realized that 54% of our graduates are in business past five years. Yeah. Okay, that's way above the national average. Yeah, that's, a good, that's, a, good, that's, that's a good track and, record. <laughs> it is. And if you look at any interviews on our website, any of our graduates, and 90% of the people coming to our program are referred by Weibo graduates. So these are people who have graduated this program and said, hey, man, you need to go take it. And even me, I myself, even when I wasn't involved, the first thing someone said, I want to start the best. I said, well, you need to go take this program right here. I said, you need to go take this. This is one of the best programs to take. You know, it's going to really help you understand and execute your business idea. So that is the strength of our program. You know, so we're not, yes, we're not out there on, you know, buying a whole bunch of Facebook ads and stuff like that. I don't feel the need that we have to do that because we got a very strong program. And we also have our, our affiliates in other cities. We have affiliate, we have the same program that's running in St. Louis, uh, Waco, Texas, uh, Shreveport, Louisiana. We, we have, uh, Sofia, um, Bulgaria. We're also going to be in, we're starting in Bridgeport in September as well. Bridgeport, Connecticut is, mm. is going to be starting up, you know. So this, and this pro, our program has been taught in mainland China. It's been taught in Tibet. It's been taught on um, Indian reservations. Mm. And in the 1970s, Walter Dyer was teaching this program to the Black Panthers before they got arrested. Wow. <laughs> See? Bridgeport, so, Connecticut. There is a, there is a, um, I guess it's it's a, a more of an office space, sort of a, a reworks model. But Bridgeport could mm -hmm. definitely. I my sister lives in Bridgeport. I remember coming out to her um, house. Must have been like 2010, and it looked like a ghost town to me. Some parts of it, mm -hmm. you know, downtown. And you know, when I when I moved to Connecticut and moved downtown, you could start to see it. You know, the 
it sort of like you know, justification comes in and yeah. But there, there are sections of it where it's like it's it's rough. You know what I mean? It's and and you know it's bad when not bad when I say bad. You know it's when when like I think it was Family Guy. You know, there's an episode where. Stewie and, and what's his name is like, where are we at? He said, Oh my god, Stewie looks like Bridgeport, Connecticut. And they're and they're poking fun at at Bridgeport. And he gets a bad rap. Um, but so yeah, that that would be nice to be able to have something to um for someone to latch on to and say, Yeah, this 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 isn't an, an option, an alternative for me to uh, to look into, as opposed to you know, just yeah. knocking somebody up over the head or Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, the Weibo program was there for a few years, and it, the organization that was running had ran out of funding, mm-hmm. and he just quit the program. And then one of the um, volunteers for the program reached out to me last year, and she said, I want to bring the program back to Richmond. I told her what was needed. Uh, she put together a team, uh, and basically, they have an affiliate agreement with us. They would be teach- they was going to start this year, but then uh, COVID-19 happened, because they mm-hmm. were actually scheduled to start the end of March. Uh, their program was going to start and then COVID-19 hit and, you know, we put it on hold, but, you know, they're going to start September 15th. They're going to be starting up in, in Bridgeport. So that is what we do. So when we tell people, you know, I don't like, you know, here's the thing. In New York City, everyone has an entrepreneurial program. Every politician, all the colleges, uh, a lot of other organizations. The state of New York has a 60-hour entrepreneurial program. The city of New York licensed an a entrepreneurial program for Kaufman. Everyone has, you know, is creating an entrepreneurial program because they realize that this is the way, if you create more entrepreneurs, you're improving the economic conditions of a specific community. Mm-hmm. We know this, but there's room for all of us. So the first thing is that I never operate on the principle of scarcity. Yeah. And, and that's what, that's what fuels a lot of the hatred and stuff in this country because people think that there's only a little bit of something and I got to fight you to get it. But really, that's really abundant. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind that there's other competition. I mean, we were the only game in town for many years. Now there's a bunch of other comp- competitors, and it's not a big deal. Now you can I talk to me. It's like anything else. I talk to some of the other competing organizations. We have conversations. We have, you know, if someone is not a fit for my organization for, for our program, we're referring to somebody else. Yeah. You know, it, it's that's that's how this kind of works out. So I I I'm glad that there's more than one. That is that there's a few because now people see there's so many options to become an entrepreneur. You know, if someone wants to go online and teach a class, I mean, we knew that we was going to bring Weibo online this year. We just didn't expect to have it so fast, but we were prepared for it. So we mm-hmm. went online at the beginning of March because uh, our participants had some concerns about traveling to the workshop classes, you know, with the pandemic growing in New York. So we said, OK, we just went online. So we immediately went online. Mm-hmm. Uh, this workshop that just began uh, last week is the first one that's going to be completely done online. You know, now we would love to get back into the classroom. Make no mistake, we're gonna want, we are going to go back to face to face when mm-hmm. it can be done safely. Yeah. You know, but for the time being, yes, we're going to be virtual. And virtual, if you do it correctly, virtual training can work. Yeah. So the first thing about this is not self study training. You know, we're not for, we're not doing this as a self study course. So you're expected to be like tonight. Um, we have the Tuesday night group. Six o'clock we begin. Uh, they're going to be prepared to communicate and, for, you know, and talk to one another, give ideas, give feedback. And for the next three hours, we expect them to be fully participatory. That's so right. And that's what makes it work. Well, Stephen, thank you so very much, man. It's always a pleasure chatting with you and, and, and your brother. So who used to, I know y'all used to play ball. So um, 
who 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 would win typically? So I, I got before we do this, I got I got I got one question for you, Derek. What's that? I got one question for you, Derek. What's that? What's your next step? What's your next step, brother? Yeah, I'm working on that. I, I'm um I'm okay. deciding whether or not is it something that I that I want to 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 venture out and do because I don't want to venture out and do it half heartedly, you know. And yeah, you have you have all the tools. You are prepared to do it. Uh, you you did put it out there, and I'm quite certain that people like Melanie Eversley, who is a journalist, mm -hmm. who has done done quite a bit of writing on the running community, and others will definitely join you in in that in in that. Uh, yeah, you know, because I, 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 I can't, I like, can't, you know, I you can't know, do it by I, I, myself. I know that. <laughs> oh, you, 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 and you, and you shouldn't have to do. You know, no. the whole thing about the unit, how the universe works, mm -hmm. is that when you work on something, the team comes together. Yeah, people will come to. I, I mean, I've been successful because I've been able to get the right people to work to come together to help me, who see my vision and mm -hmm. willing to work with me on my vision. Uh, I've never accomplished anything myself. Yeah. I can never say I built any business by myself. It's always been a team effort. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to tell you that when you put this here in the universe and you say I'm serious and this is what I'm looking for, those people are going to show up yeah. uh, who believe in the same vision. You know, so there's something I, I want I, I want you to know. So I, I was in video production in the early '90s up until about 2010, maybe. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, working on on I worked on television show, the, the Bill McCreary Report. Uh, I won some awards for video production. But you know why I got into video production? There was an old African fable that was told to me. There was this young son, young son of an of African king, came to his father one day, and he asked his father, he said, hey, Dad, uh, is the lion truly the king of the jungle? And his father said, yes, of course he is. And the young son said, but how come in every book I read, the lion loses? And the king said, lions don't write books. You see, too all, for too long, we've allowed other people to tell our story. Mm -hmm. And if you want to know why we are portrayed in the media the way we are, why people see us in the, in the way that they see us, it's because of the story that's been told about it. Now, those stories have gotten better over the years, but until people like Ava and other producers start telling our story from our perspective or read our story from our perspective, they read someone else's narrative of us. Yeah. And they form a perception based upon that narrative. So for anyone who wants to tell our story, and should the story of us be of us as runners be told, of course. I think Gary is doing Gary Corbett, Corbett is doing an amazing job. And and Ted, I, I mean and Tony Reed, we're making certain that the story of African American distance running, you know, stay alive. And I know they want to see this thing get traveled around the country and put it in the schools so people realize that it's not a fluke. Yeah. I grew up playing all these sports we never knew outside of the Jesse Owens and you know, the, the, the track and field runners. I never knew about black distance runners. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, 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 you know, it just wasn't there. Yeah, it wasn't talked about. I, I remember seeing a, a guy running through the neighborhood, you know, short shorts on, black, mm -hmm. and no, no top. He was sweating. I lived on Halsey Street, so two-way street, 26 bus running out. And we would stop. You know, like, what is he doing? You know, and, and I'd just go back. To what I was doing, I was like, "Is mm -hmm. I chasing him?" No. Then yeah, after a while, right. I was just okay. This is this guy. Just what is he doing though? I know he was running, but I'm like, why? Like that seems like a long. I didn't have a concept of time. Like, how, 
And then it was only after I got older realized he was he was training for a marathon or he was just out on his daily run. But he was right. And he his his presence. If somebody would say, "Yo, you could use running to get into college," my son ended up doing that. But it is definitely right. something that um, it is definitely something that 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 we'll talk about. I, I've spoken. To, I've got a, a, another interview um, coming up at ten thirty. But there's uh, what you mentioned is is actually true. There's a brother in Atlanta. Um, Anthony Malone, um, uh-huh. he had he had a uh, magazine, a uh, multi-sport magazine. And so you start reaching uh-huh. out to people and it's important. I think the, the representation is important. It's definitely something that I want to do. I wasn't being cagey, but I, I wanted to be able to, to have you on the show so you could share your expertise. And we'll, we'll touch base. Um, we'll catch up um, soon because I want to be able to... Um, move forward rather than, than, than just ahead. kind of stay in this this one uh, spot, just circling around, deciding. I don't want to do that. But um, so it was a pleasure having you on. You can just give the folks the, the shout out to where they can find Rebo and get in contact with the organization should they uh, want to take a course, wherever they go. Right. So we're at Weibo.Works. That's W-I-B-O dot W-O-R-K-S, Weibo.Works. You can reach me. Uh, Stephen Dot Jackson. I thought my name was Ph. Stephen Dot Jackson at Weeble.Works as well. Or you can even type in Weeble.org. We're on Facebook, Weeble.org as well. Uh, LinkedIn, Twitter, you know, all those, all those things. I think I'm on Instagram as Weeble CEO okay. uh, as well, you know. And yeah, and, uh, you know, we're open to everyone. Anyone who wants to start a business, have a, a, a love, a passion, commitment, have a gift, a talent. You know, we all have entrepreneurial DNA within ourselves. It just needs to get sometimes uh, circumstances turn it on and sometimes just the passion turns it on. But if you're interested in starting your business and growing a business, you know, whether you got a side hustle, you want to make that legitimate, uh, we have a workshop for you. Yeah. Oh, right. uh, our, our fees is, you know, we do, if you make over $50,000 a year, we do charge $350. If you make less than that, it's, it's a sliding scale based upon how much you make. Uh, and that goes on last year. If you live in NYCHA housing, uh, you only pay $75. That's our agreement with New York City Housing Authority. We, we only charge $75 for the workshop. And if you are, if you have been recently incarcerated or you are a veteran, you go, uh, there's a scholarship that pays your entire uh, fee. We don't charge you anything. We don't charge veterans and we don't charge anyone who has uh, been recently incarcerated. That means, you know, whatever you paid your debts aside, you made a mistake, whatever the case would be, you want you ready to start a business. We we got we got something for you. All right. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. That's it. And uh, we look forward to pretty much to, uh, what we do and how you can reach us. Thank you so much, man. Enjoy your day.